Welcome to the Disruptive Entrepreneur Podcast. For anyone who wants to make money and make a difference, grow and leverage your enterprise better, get more done in less time, outsource everything and create your ideal lifestyle. And now, your host, eight times best-selling author and double world record holder, Rob Moore. Hi, it's Rob Moore here. Welcome to the Disruptive Entrepreneur Podcast. Very privileged to have Bill Morrow as a special guest. Now, Bill founded the Angels Den Network, which is a network which allows angels, you know, people with millions, sometimes billions, to invest their money. And Bill, I want to say thanks for coming down. Thanks, Rob. Thanks for taking out the time. Brilliant to be here. So if you could tell everyone what an Angels Den Network is and what an angel is, for those people who don't know, let's get started with that. So what, what is an angel? What is Angels Den? Sure. So... Angels Den, we've been going uh, 10 long, long years. I think it's, uh, we don't have a lot of time um, um, this afternoon, but we've made more mistakes than we could possibly cover in, um, in one podcast. And I think we started off with misconceptions of what an Angels Network was, and we've gradually worked out actually what it is. Mm-hmm. And so in, in very loose terms, it's uh, an angel is someone who has each of these guys has 360,000 euros of spare cash on average right. um, to play with. That means that if they lost it, they'd be upset, but it wouldn't be the end of the world. So they're sophisticated investors. They're sophisticated, that's right. And, 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 and within that is, is a whole bunch of um, different assumptions. Mm-hmm. And I think lots of people, kind of like mentoring or property investment, they go, how hard can it possibly be? And one of our huge learnings is actually just taking people through the principles. Is that actually more about knowledge and partment? Sure. So, you know, we're um, Europe and Asia's largest player. We have over 19,000 of these high net works wow. registered with us. And, and their average amount that they have disposable, 360, did you say, thousand yeah. euros? And so what, what's, the, what's the, the range? Do some people have millions that they put in? Yeah, some people put millions in, um, yeah. not not that many, because it's not often a great strategic move yeah. to put millions into one thing. Or okay, sure. it's always really suspicious when companies come to us as well and and need millions and millions. What the average person, uh, average angel is going to be more comfortable doing is going, look, dude, I'll, I'll give you millions, yeah. but um, here's some landmarks that you need to hit just somewhere right. along the path. And I'll give you, you know, here's some um, 500,000 and I'll drip in yeah. whatever you need along the road. But you have to keep your end of the bargain. And as we all know, it's always going to take um, twice as long. It's going to be three times more expensive than yeah. we all thought it was. Yeah. But I think the whole process of entrepreneurship is about making mistakes, mm-hmm. and the angels understand that. Yeah. And so they don't want to make a mistake with a million, but they're more comfortable at sort of, you know, yeah. a couple of hundred thousand, three hundred thousand, then just see how that goes. Let's make some mistakes together and right. let's see how we dig ourselves out of it. Yeah. So they've negated their risk by making smaller and higher volume investments. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, that's right. I mean, yeah. I mean, I think. I think um, um, everyone knows about the um, efficient markets hypothesis and how you have to invest in 9.6 deals and diversify your risk across um, different sectors, different geographies, different stages of the business. But back in the real world, angels just get emotionally attached into a deal and that's their intent often when they come. Sure. But we spend a lot of our time, we spend 19% of our time talking people out of investing into deals. And I think part of that mechanism, part of the... Part of our learning, part of our, you know, we've got th- three huge epiphanies. And the, the first one was that we see 100, over 100 business plans a day currently at the moment, but every one of them asks us for the wrong thing. Right. So they're all, all asking us for money. Mm-hmm. And what they actually need is mentorship. What they actually need is knowledge and experience. And what they actually need is contacts. Yeah. Then they need the money. Right. Our business isn't necessarily about getting deals funded or taking angels' money. It's about imparting knowledge to both sides. Sure. It's imparting knowledge in terms of how to actually get funded. What do angels um, actually look for? How to pitch your business? So 10 years ago when you set up Angels Den, what problem did that solve? So my um, um, jotted career history... um, Dodgy business studies degree, joined Virgin, became an accountant made the biggest mistake of my life, left Virgin, moved into investment banking. The bank saw through me in three days. 
And if I thought I was an incredibly bad accountant, I was an awful, awful investment banker. Just dreadful. But the clients loved me, so they kept me on. I set up my own business, sold that to a Wall Street bank, and I retired. That hit the press, and stupid people kept on writing to me, asking me to put my own money right. into their deals, not knowing that I was... So you're like the alcoholic who set up Alcoholics Anonymous. Yeah. You, you solved your own problem. I solved my own problem in, in, as, in as much as I then found one deal which I thought was awesome. Yeah. And I then met 46 businesses who pretended that they had money, or they pretended that they knew people who had money, or they pretended they could give me advice, get me investment ready, write my business plan. And the end of six and a half months, I walked away with nothing. Right. We got very drunk <laughs> on a Rioja Reserva and sort of dusted ourselves down and went, what has just happened? Mm. Here I am, an accountant, an investment banker, and I'm Scottish. I've got ripped off? Mm. I've got ripped off? Wow, what is it like for people out there in the street that want to minimise the amount of time they spend right. with freaks so, so like you, me? You've lost investing money. Yeah. Oh, I mean, and is I, it you able to say how much? I've lost millions over the years. Right. Millions. Millions. And and so that was the driver in wanting to set up a platform which would protect people from that experience. That 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 sort of thing, but also just to make it easier for people looking for money because once again, if I'm getting ripped off. There's no chance for people that aren't numerate, aren't yeah. um, in, into that sort of world that don't understand the questions that are being asked. Mm. But then as we set that up, it then became apparent that there was lots of people with money that couldn't find good deals to invest into. Mm. And so to answer your question, you know, what's, the, what's the pain in the marketplace? The pain is twofold and our solution is knowledge transfer to both sides. Yeah. So we're probably the world's largest pitching organisation. We can tell you how to pitch your business. But, but similarly, much like I covered in terms of the angel, it's not straightforward. Mm. I think if people go into it and go, I've seen that BBC Two television programme, whose name I cannot bring myself to mention, and um, how difficult can it be, yeah. then they're going to lose the money. Yeah, because I mean, that's just sound bites, isn't it? It's horrible. Uh, you, 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 yeah. Haven't been able to watch it for nine years. Haven't right. been able to watch it. Okay, so I'd love to dig into all of that. We'll get there in a minute. But I just want everyone to really get a, a feel and a flavour for what Angel's Den is and what you've achieved. So, do you have uh, Angel's Dens in more than one country? Yeah, so we were very fortunate in our second year, so we've been going 10 years. So, um, a very long time ago, we set up in Singapore under the patronage of um, Standard Chartered Bank. And that was um, really, really wonderful. And that gave us a, a very large number of angels who think in a different way and were looking for different kind of deals. That naturally led us into Hong Kong. Yeah. We've got a pretend office in Malaysia. It's somebody working out of their bedroom. Right. It's not really there. We also enjoyed the patronage of the um, government of Qatar. Right. So we're in Qatar, um, Dubai, Abu Dhabi and Kuwait. Wow. We've got two offices in Germany and yeah. four offices in Mexico. Right. And how many in England? England, Scotland? You mean the United Kingdom? The United Kingdom. Uh, England. <laughs> <laughs> We've got um, um, Glasgow, Edinburgh, I was going to get to all the other countries. Yeah. Bear with me. <laughs> uh -huh, uh -huh. I can see I'm sitting opposite a Sassanac. Um, <laughs> Rough sort of volume of deals done. Do you, do you sort of track how many deals are done a year or the volume of money exchanged in terms of obviously lent and borrowed? Sure. Or invested I mean, so, and received? So we do. Um, so last year we did 100. This year we'll do 200 deals and the average deal is about 360,000 so you do the math yeah but but for me it's it's not about how many deals we do or how much money we're actually um, looking at the metric I run the business on and this is something I hope we can expand on mm -hmm. isn't necessarily I think anybody can get funded at the moment that, that we've never ever seen so much money right never seen so much money so it, it's an easy number to sort of play with. What I'm much more interested in is the sustainability of the companies once they've been funded. Yeah. So are they still going in three years, four years, five years after they've been funded? And right. that's what we're looking at. So in every deal we're looking at, when we're curating the deals, we're looking at the management and how, how good they are, how good the model is, what their IP is, but looking at it from a, a sense of sustainability. Okay, so why do angels need angels then? We're looking at angels. Now, angels, just to define what an angel mm. is, and, and, and um, we've defined it in monetary terms, but much more than that. An angel is somebody who invests money with the expectation they also have to give their time, their energy, and right. their contacts. Yeah. Now, that's a very different beast. Mm. And I alluded to the fact that we spend 19% of our time talking people out of investing into deals. 
And it's it's often, you know, it's going to be bond dealers sitting in a big investment bank. The guy's looking for 600,000. We can see that the person has spent four minutes and 12 seconds exhaustively doing due diligence in the deal. He phones up and goes, I'll give him 600. Yeah. We're going, dude, no, 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 no. Because what does he need the 600 for? He needs to move into Germany. He needs to take his tech to 2.0. With all due respect, man, you, you, you don't have the skills to actually get him there. Mm. And so it's not just about throwing money into deals. That's something we're very strong about. Yeah. And I think our track record. Well, if people just, for sorry, just jump in, exactly. Yeah, yeah. If people just do that and then it all goes wrong at the back end, Angel's Den is gone in three years, isn't it? It's like. Sort of thing. I mean, it's, mm. it's, it's, it's difficult with the angel relationship. So we, we, we have had deals go under, absolutely. Mm. But because of the nature of the deal. So if the deal goes under and an angel's invested into it, whose fault is it? It's, it has to be the, the entrepreneur, bad luck, the conditions have moved against him. But also, if the angel's doing what he's there to do, is actually advise, is actually yeah. help them see the, the, the bumps that should be coming right. up and help them do it. Yeah. The whole point of angel investing is that you actually become complicit with in the environment. Yes. So that's a good thing and a bad thing. Mm. Investors just throw the money in, go, there you go, Rob, mate. Good yeah. luck. See you in a year. Send me some, what are they call accounts, yeah, maybe yeah. Um, sort of thing. Yeah. Now, they will lose most of their money because they're missing the whole point. But here with these guys, it's about something else. It's about, it took us 26 months to figure that out. So why do angels invest? Yeah. And I think that's kind of weird. So for 26 months, we assumed that angels were investing to make money. We had 2,100 angels at the time. And then suddenly we had this brainwave. We, we went, guys, can you tell us why you're investing? Making money came in at number three. Mm. Now, this Scottish accountant was going, really, really, number three? Because we'd been doing it completely wrong. We, we, we needed to pivot hugely. We needed to um, change the whole site because we were presenting deals in terms of IRR and DCF and NPV and a whole bunch of other TLAs. And that wasn't it. Number two was about giving something back, helping younger people not make the mistakes that they've made because 92% of our database are male. It's going to be ego. It's because if I introduce you to the camera across here and um, the camera is the buying director of um, Tesco's, you get a big contract. The value of our business increases. The next time I walk into the clubhouse, he buys me a triple whiskey. Mm. Now, for me, the human capital is actually probably just as important. Yeah. But the biggest factor, bigger than two and three combined, the reason that angels are looking to invest between eight and nine percent of their total portfolio with us is that this is what gets them out of bed in the morning. Mm. And that, we never saw that coming. Yeah. Absolutely never saw that coming. So 91, 92% of their portfolio is with you guys. It's in stocks, it's in bonds, it's in cars, gold, wine. It's, that's going to make them money. You, you will make them money. The people that we have brought to you have made money. These people are looking for something else. Yeah. They're, they're, they've got their money in there, they're making money. It's not like they've got too much money, but they're actually just looking for something that's going to keep them going up here as well. So I'm, I'm, too, I'm too young to retire. Or, you know, they wake up when they're in their um, Tuscan villa or um, um, wherever they are in the world. It's nine o'clock on a Monday morning and they're going, this is fantastic. You know what, I need to get out of bed today because, oh, really? Is this it? Mm. This is it. I've moved 9% from fund A to fund B. I've checked my properties, with all due respect to property, but they're still there. I've checked on Google Earth. Yeah, they're still there. What now? Seriously? Is mm. this it? Now, they're not stupid enough to start up their own um, 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 startup, yeah. but they will invest into a startup mm. where they share the values of the person. So it's not necessarily because the, we said making money, they're not philanthropists, they still want to make money, sure, but that's not their major concern with 8 to 9% of their portfolio. Yeah, you know what, as you're sitting here telling me this, it's, it's sparking off a load of my light bulbs. Uh -oh. I, um, I've started investing in Lego and I have no interest in Lego. I just know that it's done all right and uh, I wonder if maybe I've gotten a bit late. And the way I've gone into it is I've got a friend who actually used to be a housemate of mine, he used to rent a room off me when I was skint. And he's always been into Lego. And he's like, throughout his whole life, he's, he had in his new house, he's got a room like this size and he's built like a whole village town of Lego. And he just knows a hell of a lot about it. Right. And um, I'm just playing with money I can afford to lose. It's probably 0.1% of my money that I invest or less. And uh, I just enjoy 
watching him doing something he loves. Yep. Gemma's like, what are you going to do all these freaking boxes in the basement? There's boxes everywhere because he keeps buying all these retired sets. But there's just something about it that just makes me feel alive doing it. And yeah, we might make some money out of it. And if we don't, I'm not, my life's not going to be over because um, it's only a tiny amount of my mm. income. And I did that with watches and I did that with art. And yeah, w- would I want to go and research and invest in a load of Lego and go to all the, what are they called, the car boot sales yeah. and find all the missing bits and all of that and research all the retired sets? No, but he loves it. And um, I feel like I'm giving him something. And it just, and it's, it, so I can, you know, when you say like money's the third thing, well, I, I can kind of go, yeah, well, with me, with art, with me, with watches, with me, with Lego, that's that. Now, of course, if it was my only investment, money would have to come first or or it'd have to be something I love and do money. You know, one might assume, if they don't know, Angel's Den is a hub that connects people with money with people who need money and then you make your cut. But you're clearly saying that that's, that might have been what you started. But oh, was, that's t- like the last thing totally. that you are. Yeah. And, and, and that just happened over time because you actually learned that that's not what's needed. We now have that business plan. Well, and we, we, we also made like an absolutely wonderful schoolboy error. We spent seven months researching the marketplace before we launched and still got it laughably wrong. Yeah. And we just should have just jumped in. Just yeah. jumped in. Get perfect feet, later. Made, made the mistakes and then then the move. But the business plan business plan number one was laughably naive and is now um, in pride of place in our bathroom <laughs> in our um, St Pancras International um, office. Yeah. We're now on the 27th iteration of that business plan. Right. And it's, you know, I think it always has to evolve. You're you're moving with the times, you're moving with the thing. But mainly it's because we're moving, we're learning, we're actually able to understand. Much like I've said, and it's it's worth worth repeating, you know, it's, it's very much about knowledge transfer. Because if the angels are not knowledge about what they're investing into and what they should do, then they'll probably lose the money. Now, why should I care? Because guess what? They'll lose the money, they'll tell their mates. At the moment, we see 350 angels a month join us. We don't spend a single penny on marketing, mm. all word of mouth. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's not only is it crucial, but it's really quite nice for, uh, for, for me to mm. actually be in that position. So every month we get, I think our next biggest competitor has 290 angels. Yeah. Every month we grow bigger than our largest wow. competitor. And, it's, and, and it's, it's because we've been around a bit, but it's also because I think we understand what our business is. It's kind of like um, Starbucks. Starbucks had an absolute pivot two years into what they were doing. They used to think they were a coffee vendor, mm. and then they discovered that actually what they were doing is renting short-term office space yeah. for people that wanted a meeting or just wanted to hang out, yeah. wanted to study, yeah. wanted to go on a date, but they were renting. That's where the chairs got comfier. Yeah, they took about the second home music. or second office, didn't yeah. they? Yeah. Absolutely, but, but for them, once they realized that they weren't a coffee company mm. and that they were something else, they were able to then grow. They connected with both sides of the equation. And I think if you're not keeping both sides of any business happy, no matter what you are, selling bottles of water, if the bottle, the, the, buyer, the person you're buying the bottles from or the person that you're buying the water from or the consumer, if one of them mm. isn't happy, your business is short term and yeah. you will go out of business. Why do you still do it 10 years on? It's because the major thing, so in, in terms of like every company that we see getting pitched, the companies that pitch, the, the companies are all pretty good. The companies that pitch at, at our events are all pretty good. These guys who are looking to invest in them are pretty good as well. What's the one thing that keeps them going? What's the differentiator, the one thing you cannot fake? And that is passion. Mm. If you are not passionate about what it is that you're doing, seriously, you know, give up, yeah. get a job in something really dull or, or try and find your passion. I think that would be great. But we see so many entrepreneurs, like, oh, it's a microphone and it's the best microphone in the world. And they're going, dude, it's like it is the best microphone in the world, but you're not the guy to be running it or, you know, actually you're just not passionate about it. Mm. I'm really passionate about what it is that we're doing. Now, I'm not the process person. I'm the Captain Chaos. Mm. I'm the one that brings home bright, shiny new things just to mess with my You're board. You're the disruptive entrepreneur. <laughs> I am a disrupt. I am truly disruptive, and I, yeah. I really kind of enjoy that, mm. but not for his own sake, because I'm looking to disrupt the ways that we can impart. We can tell the entrepreneurs and tell them in a nice way 
look, you know, dude, you'll never, you'll never ever be an entrepreneur. Mm. This is not right for you, man. You know, you need to just go and do something or your business is really great, but it's a lifestyle business. And yeah. you know, that, that's, that's wonderful, but you're never going to get money from it because you're not going to be scaling and it's not like that. And you know, I think we've only just started in a way. It's like, you know, we were so laughably naive mm. sort of um, seven, eight years ago. Now I'm really excited. I'm really excited about taking it into other countries yeah. because we've got the processes and the systems and controls. If you and I wanted to open up in Bhutan this afternoon, we could. Yeah. And it's really straightforward for us now. We've sure. got a huge investment into tech. Yeah. But you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not interested in that. I'm not interested in the process side because I'm the disruptive entrepreneur. The attention deficit Labrador, as I'm called in the office. <laughs> for me, it's much, much more about just expanding the news because nobody else tells it like this. Mm. Nobody else tells the, the, these people that it's not about the money. Yeah. Nobody else tells people that it's not just about giving them the money and then walking away. Mm. I mean, I, I genuinely, we, we, we track over 200 different companies. No one is giving out that message. Yeah. But when I sort of mention it to you, it sort of seems, you kind of go, well, that seems sort of sensible. Yeah. And there's no, we're not making any secret of it. Mm. But you know we're we we're getting to such a large scale now that that is an almost in itself a barrier to entry. Mm. Okay, so if we could just uh, pivot this conversation a little bit, when should and shouldn't an entrepreneur look to raise finance from an angel? So let's start with when shouldn't they? Mm. When shouldn't an, any entrepreneur who wants to grow and scale? Yeah. Get money off an angel. I think there's, um, we, we, we see um, a large number of those coming to us on a daily basis. And some of them are just ideas. So it's um, you, you, your, your question um, presumed that there actually was a business there. The vast majority of deals that we see in a day, 70% of them, are just an idea. So you're saying it's too soon? Yeah, yeah, far too soon. Okay. And then the only things which our angels will look at is someone who has proven that business model. Right. Now that's fancy speak for having sold something to someone who isn't your mum. Yeah. Have okay. you sold anything? So the business has to have been going for a little bit. Has to have been going for a little bit, but it's not. There's no quantum of money. They don't have to. You know, they don't have to have made two hundred and seven thousand no. or anything. It's just, can you re have you made a sale? Now that's really easy for someone like me to go, oh, you need to make a sale. Because I know that that is the most difficult thing that any entrepreneur will ever, ever do. He's got his production right, he's beyond minimal viable product, he's got the sales process in place, he's got the way of actually taking money, he's got the way of actually fulfilling that product. It's a huge deal. And so for us, we're not looking at companies until they've proven their model and they've actually got some revenue which they can replicate using their sales process. Sure. Now, that's what the angels are demanding, but also from the entrepreneur's perspective, you'd be dumb to go and ask for equity angel funding at that stage because you would have to give away a much larger proportion of the equity to de-risk it for an angel. Yeah. It's just not a good move for you. And you'll be left with, you know, like, like having one of those dreadful BBC Two television people on your on the show. I'll take 98% of your business. And, and, and one Saturday you'll wake up and you're left with 4% of the business. Mm. And it's just not sensible. And so many people come to us and go, well, but no, how stupid are you? No, I need their money mm. so I can do that. And I'm going, yeah, that's right, welcome to the world. So is that another area where they shouldn't go into getting the money if they're in desperate need because they're making themselves quite vulnerable? I think, I think people often smell fear, but you know what? And that might it's, cost you 20% of your business. Yeah, sort of thing, but, but, but no one, no sensible angel. We sack 14 a month. We sack 14 angels for being rude, for being overbearing, for asking stupid questions, for being aggressive, for trying to do a dodgy deal. Like, I'll give you 100, but I want 102 back because I'm going to pay myself a salary. I'm going, right. that's, that's not an investment, man. Mm. So we get rid of those people. Nobody that's been through our training program would ever ask that because it's not the best interest. Mm. What you want the entrepreneur to do is work on Saturday. It's going to be a 14-hour day, Monday to Friday. But Saturday and Sunday, you'll be working. Yeah. If you're not, I really do question your passion because you know the, 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 the killer thing is not what you think you know. It is what you don't even know you, you don't, don't even know. know. Yeah. We it get is, blindsided by You totally mm. get blindsided by it. And so when people go, you know what, um, 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 I haven't sold anything yet, I hear that and I sympathize. But I'm going, dude, you have got so much ahead of you, so much. 
There is so big a canyon. And it's, it's, you almost have to be young and arrogant and narcissistic to run into being running a company. Mm. But the beauty of having an angel on board is that sure, they don't have all the answers, they haven't seen it all before, but they can help you in most circumstances. Yeah. That's the real added value, I would say. You know, In a nutshell, mm. that's kind of what they're there for. Yeah. You think it's gonna be that difficult, but actually it's that difficult, and the delta they are, they can truly help yeah. you with because they've seen it and done it. Yeah, okay. Any other reasons or scenarios where someone shouldn't raise money in this way? Yeah, I mean, like, we also reject a lot of people who just don't need money. Mm. So if your business is then generating cash and throwing off revenue, it's really trendy to go asking for yeah, why money. Why would someone want to raise money if they don't need the money? Because it could is it kind of cool, or they can say, "I've got these yeah. angels." It allows them to expand, board. expand quicker, mm. and so you have a larger balance sheet, but you own a smaller part of that larger balance sheet. Mm. And you know, that's, it's good and it's bad. Some people, you know, we say, dude, you know, you honestly don't need to. You don't need to raise um, yeah. that much money. You just need to do that. And they're mm. going, well, you know, I want to because yeah. of that, that, and that. They're going fantastic. Of course, they get snapped up. Yeah. You know, those are very good, very good deals. And it's kind of like that. It's, it's that cliche thing, isn't it? That um, um, banks will give you an umbrella when it's not raining. Yeah. That the, the number one thing that any investor or angel ever wants to hear is, I'm not looking for money. Mm. That's the most attractive thing you could possibly say. Yeah, yeah, it's funny that, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, the banks will give you the money when you don't need it, and then when yep. you do need it, they won't. Yep. Is there a type of entrepreneur or startup that maybe isn't suited to having an angel? And I'll tell you where I'm coming from with this angle. I'm very uninterested in selling any of my business, you know, selling equity, having angels in. I'm very keen on having mentors. James Carney, who's on a picture behind there, he's been one of my mentors. Dr. John Demartini sat behind, picture there, one of my mentors. I but I know I'd be the worst person to be sat in a boardroom with a load of board members of my own company telling me how to run it. And I know that's going to bring out the worst in me. So I guess you could say I'm self-aware enough to know my weaknesses. Is there a kind of personality type that makes a really bad you know, person to sell shares in their company? Yeah... Yeah, you. <laughs> and, and so I'm glad I haven't done it. No, and, 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 and me as well. And, and I, um, you're much more evolved than I am, um, probably because of Dr. John. I, I have done it. I've, I've, I've gone down there and I sit in board meetings and um, I'm just so bored. Yeah. It's just not my scene because I'm off. They're looking at the past. I'm, I'm kind of like it's there. It's it's really interesting, mm. but actually I'm looking at much much different things. And also, so, you want to make decisions and you want to be fast. Yeah. And you want to get things done. And I think it's I think it's it's not necessarily you know it's not arrogance because arrogance is actually quite attractive quality. But but the number one thing that you need to accept, and you mentioned um, self awareness is actually having self-awareness. We meet so many entrepreneurs that are not self-aware, mm. who don't actually understand. You know, the, 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 ones, the only ones that we get funded are the ones that go, do you know what, I'm uh, awesome at alpha, beta, and gamma, but um, these things, these things, and these things, you know, not so yeah. much. Those are the skills that I need. Mm. Now, an angel thinks that's incredibly attractive. Yeah. So one of our friends is um, Levi Roots. Mm. Now, Levi Roots um, went on that dreadful television program I can't bring myself to mention, Okay, I think I'd get sued if you did now with what you keep yeah, saying. No, 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 they really are Muppets. Um, <laughs> but, 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 but beyond that, it is just television and, and it's great. But he couldn't have messed up his pitch any better. Mm. He couldn't, he got litos mixed up with gallons. He got the decimal point wrong to two places. Two of the um, 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 angels said, I'm out, before he remembered he had a contract with Sainsbury's. Mm. Couldn't have messed up any better. <laughs> yeah. They piled in. Why did they pile in? Because he exposed his human weakness. Mm. He was a marketing, he is a marketing genius. He was absolutely onto something and he was deficient in numbers. Now, the one thing that these people are good at is numbers. Mm. My God, could they help him? Mm. Yeah, they totally helped him, and they have turned his business around. They took far too much equity and whatever. But, you know, check out Levi Roots and Fat Boy Slim singing the Angel's Den song. Yeah, okay, so um, self-awareness. Just quick sort of tangent before we come back. I think self-awareness is twofold. It's, yes, being aware of your weaknesses, which people like you've just mentioned maybe don't know. But it's also honouring your strengths because there are a lot of entrepreneurs who actually don't give themselves enough credit for what they're good at. I think it's both sides, isn't it? It's 
being able to say I'm rubbish at that, which, you know, is, takes a bit of humility. As soon as you say that, ironically, the people that you're talking about that would invest money, all of a sudden you're more credible to them. Also, as soon as you say, oh, this is what I'm rubbish at, you can attract people who are good at that. Totally. Yeah. And I actually believe in that stuff. I actually believe that if you can be self-aware and go, I'm not good at this, then those things will come along. And certainly in one big group, let's talk about sex. That was actually next. <laughs> yeah. But, but women totally... Um, Women are 2.2 times more likely to get funded on Angel's Den than a guy. However, women, to generalize ever so slightly, do lack self-confidence. They, they, they don't have that self up. Maybe they've got the self-awareness, but they certainly just don't, they don't brag about it mm. in a way that guys do. Is that why they're 2.2 times more likely to get the money? Women don't feel the need to big it up. They don't. In fact, to our point, if reality is there, women will come down there. Mm. Guys, if the reality is there, it's up there! It's a bit like yeah. when you ask men how many people they've slept with and women how many people they've slept with. I wouldn't know. Men exaggerate it and women underplay it, apparently. Really? This is an interesting route this that podcast is, has gone is, down. That is an interesting route. If we're on a pitch, just generically speaking, we're trying to put something together, we should maybe slightly underplay rather than overplay. We should maybe increase or slightly overplay, marginally, our weaknesses. We should be brutally honest about our weaknesses as well as our strengths. So I'll tell you what's really interesting about this is because there must be a lot of people listening, watching, who you know like the idea of pitching for money or like the idea of meeting angels. And um, we've all got our own insecurities and because we probably want to cover them up. And obviously we want to make a good impression. And really what we're saying, I think, in this conversation is we just need to show them who we are and we just need to accept who we are and we will find the right people if we show them who we are. And it's a bit like, I hear a lot of people saying all the time, I just want to be accepted for who I am. Mm. So show them who you are then. If, mm. you, you know, if you're hiding who you are, mm. how can you accept, expect anybody else to see you for who you are mm. if you're hiding who you are? No, no, no I, I'm, I'm totally with you. What we're doing actually in the training beforehand is just chilling them. Yeah. Just absolutely getting them down, having a bit of a laugh so that they are so much more relaxed yeah. when they go to pitch. They're so much more themselves. Mm. And we tell them that it's about themselves. I mean, it's yeah. totally, you know, don't pretend you are something because the worst thing that could possibly happen is you pretend you are something and an angel is attracted to that and he comes into it. On, on a false pretense. Yeah. I, I, but, but, but then you're set off down the wrong path. Mm. You know, and, it's, and especially if you're a younger entrepreneur, 20s to 30s, you, you, there is this sort of mystique about how you should pretend. Yeah. And that's why, I, you know, one of the main reasons I hate that BBC Two television show that I can't bring myself to mention, because it sort of emboldens that sense that it's going to be horrible and the angels are just really nasty money-grabbing people, or that they have the power. It's not, you know, one of the things we're really, really keen to, 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 to get across is that you know, these angels are on the whole really nice people mm. that you would want to have a pint with and they will ask you to get around and you will, they will get you around. And they just want to help, not a bank. I want to do this for a whole bunch of reasons. Yeah. The, whole, the number one reason is that it needs something I want to get out of bed. Mm. Okay, so let's go now on. We said what kind of people, entrepreneurs, probably shouldn't look to raise money from angels. What, what kind of people or what kind of businesses or what stages should they? Yeah, so once um, again... And benefits. Yeah, yeah. Well, we, we, we chatted about it. That the, the number one thing is that you should be revenue generating, that you've actually got your business model and that you're kind of far along the path. It's going to be much, much longer than that. Yeah. The second thing is that you should have some barrier to entry protected. You should have some patent, copyright, trademark, first mover advantage, some intellectual quality which other people are not able to get their hands right. onto. Why? Because if I come up with a microphone that is absolutely brilliant and I haven't protected it, it is incumbent on the shareholders of Google to move into that marketplace yeah. and crush me. Right. They have to. Do you know, it's funny you said that because um, I um, study all sorts of entrepreneurs. I love entrepreneurship. I love listening, studying, reading, meeting them. And uh, Richard Branson talked about uh, when he set up Virgin Cola. And they had a blind cola test. One of his friends just did a blind cola test and the, his favourite one wasn't Pepsi or Coke. So he decided to set up Virgin Cola. And he went into it and he did his whole, you know, usual great PR stunt thing and got it in all the shops and it started really well. And then systematically, 
Coke went to all of his retailers and um, basically undercut him yep. and got all of Virgin Cola out. That's right. And Richard Branson was asked, what did he learn from that? And he said, well, you know, I naively went into this thinking I could disrupt, but we went into something and we weren't infinitely better. We were just marginally different. Okay, our Coke tasted a little bit better maybe, mm-hmm. but, you know, I only now go into areas where I know I can be infinitely better, I can completely walk the competition, be completely different. And I, I think it's, you know, I mean... Oh, Obviously, obviously, I, I know. Having spent far too long at Virgin, I, I, I know I know Virgin quite well, and I think I think if I may say so, that once again it takes us back to the Starbucks thing. When Starbucks found out that they were renting office space, Coca-Cola is not a fizzy drinks company. Mm. Coca-Cola is a distribution company, mm. and so if somebody comes into the marketplace, of course they can crush. You can have the best product in the world, but if you can't get it to the shops, or you can stop somebody else stocking it on the shelves. That is like a, an awesome, awesome way of doing it. Mm. Which is why Coca-Cola own so many different brands that aren't brown and fizzy. Mm. They own, you know, water companies. Yeah, and they, they bought Innocent, didn't they? But, 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 but why would they buy Innocent? Because, because they've got the distribution, so yeah. it covers their fixed costs, they can actually move into that marketplace. Mm. But exactly the same with Virgin. Virgin, I think, thought that it was about a product, that they had a better tasting yeah. product. I mean, they still sell it on, they still give it away on the, the flights. Um, um, mm. I just love the brand. Mm. But, but that was their big mistake. And so, you know, going back, back to the question, what do you need? You need to have revenue. You need to have a barrier to entry which can be protected. And, yeah. and that's much more complicated as well. But here's, the, here's the, the, the weird thing. So we meet in Hong Kong, Singapore, Qatar, Guadalajara, 30 companies every week. So in London, the British Library, we meet 30 businesses. And here's the most difficult question we ask them. We go, Rob, dude, tell me about your business. 36% of people in each one of these places, every week, with monotonous regularity, 36 fail to be able to explain what it is that they do so that someone who isn't in their world can understand it. Yeah. And I'm not, I'm not saying like, you know, it's not, a, a, we give them half an hour and they're going, man, I actually thought I understood what you're doing, but I have no idea what you are talking about. I'm so glad you said this. I get people daily messaging me, daily pitching me, reams of emails. Sometimes when I speak to people on the phone or I mentor them and commonly I have to then say nicely. So if you could put that into a nutshell statement, what would that be? And that's my way of saying, I don't understand. Yeah. So put it in a phrase that mm-hmm. I can. And I must, I must say 80, 85, 90% of people I talk to, I mentor who pitch me or whatever, I don't know what they do. Mm-hmm. They, or they tell you they do everything, mm-hmm. which is to me the worst. Oh yeah. Because then you don't actually, you know, yeah, yeah. if you do everything, yeah. you do nothing. They go, what? You mean someone has to understand what I do before they're going to invest? Wow. <laughs> When you put it like, when you put it like that, yeah. oh, like, oh, I get it, no. But also, it's not even about the explanation. It's, 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 if you can't explain it to an investor, you probably can't explain it to your staff. Is and it smarter to go into a business that's proven or set up something that's a hobby that's unproven? Yeah. Or is that like a false dichotomy question? Oh, no, sorry, I thought, I thought, you, I thought you were joking. No, no, no I was asking oh, you. Oh, no, no. Because I get these questions all the time as well. Yeah. No, 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 it's, so it's, 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 it's for me, to a huge degree, and I'll use your word back at you again, it's de-risked. They, they've done the most difficult thing. They've actually sold it. It's on a path of growth. It's got a barrier to entry. They've already got a team of people because they can communicate with passion, and you're buying into, you're buying into something that's there. But what does there mean? There means that they've made that many mistakes already. Mm. Now, to start off on your own thing and own 100% of not a great deal mm. seems to me to be not an optimal solution. Yeah. See what I mean? It's, it's, it's just, you, 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 once again, back here, you haven't even got a clue what it is that the mistakes are that you're going to have to make. Yeah. The, the thing that you're buying into isn't the balance sheet, isn't the equity. It is the fact that they have managed to bundle through a whole bunch of mistakes and they're still there and they're still passionate. Mm. You meet, you know, we meet everybody and people every day, they go, oh, I'm just beaten. You know what, I'm just, oh, I just can't do this anymore. I get that. Mm. I totally get that. Absolutely. Probably uninvestable. 
Yeah. Really? <laughs> oh, sell it to me. Mm. Sell it to me, big boy. That you're absolutely exhausted and it's left you a shadow of the man you used to be. <laughs> oh, yeah, because you're the kind of guy I want to hang out with. Mm. Do you know what's really ironic or kind of uncommon sense about this is because obviously we've got hundreds of thousands of people in the progressive community and they're always asking me how to I pitch and you know what, how do I create the best case well, what we're really saying is doesn't need to be a lot of experience a little bit of experience it's about you the individual are you self-aware are you self-honest are you not bullshitting and do you love this hmm. and you know that's way more compelling than history and credibility and a big sales pitch and everything else Mm-hmm. And, and surely anyone can be self-honest, self-aware, passionate, no matter who you are, surely. But I think, I think it's difficult because there's, there's a whole paradigm of people watching television shows that don't do any good, like The Apprentice, pretending that you're something else, pretending you want to do something else. So there's a world of pretense about business. Yeah. But the sad fact is that people buy from people, no matter how cliched that is, people at the customer level, at the product level, but at the investment level. Mm. People just want just want to know who you are, if you know who you are. And, yeah. and, and often it's like, you know, well, that doesn't make sense in your business plan and that contradicts what you said there, is that would be a bad thing. But it's more sort of, sorry, are you into rugby or are you into football? Which one is it? Because mm. both of them, one of them is quite important. Mm. Like, you know, I'm much more a rugby man than the football. I mean, if you're into football, really? Really? Mm. But you play golf. You play golf. Whoa, dude. That, that, to me, that means something. Basically, the, the small rapport things that make us feel connected are important as well. The small rapport things like body language, mm. like being open in your body language, about how you handle objections, about how you handle eye contact, yeah. about how you... Um, you listen to the other person or, or mirror their body language un- unconsciously. Yeah. I'm, not, I'm not suggesting that, that you do that, but mm. it's those little yeah. tiny things. He just went all <laughs> You know what? I was sitting here nice and comfortable like this and you just made me totally self-aware. <laughs> oh, yes, it's funny. Yeah. But do you know what? I remember doing a, getting into public speaking and one of the biggest fears I had, and I know so many people I've trained have it, is what if I get asked a question and I don't know what it is and I get made to look stupid? And one day... Someone asked me a question. I just went, I don't know. I felt free because I didn't have to pretend to know the answer or be someone I'm not. Oh, I don't know the answer to that. Mm-hmm. And it was like, the audience was like, oh, great. Okay, you don't know the answer to that one. Mm-hmm. What's wrong with being honest? It's, it's the only answer. Yeah. It's the only answer. And, and people, I don't know, but I'll try and find out. Or, oh, no, yeah. and, and that's, that's, that's even better. Mm. That is even better. Now, there's certain things you should know. It's like, what's yeah. your name? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, all right. Well, whoa, yeah. whoa, starting off with all the difficult ones. Uh, what's the name of your company? Oh, I don't know. Yeah. What does your business do? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no idea, mate. Because Levi Roots, you know, what was your turnover last year? <laughs> no idea. Mm. Said it. And they're going, fantastic. Because mm. I do. Yeah. I know what your turnover is. Because yeah. I've worked it out in my head and I can actually see. Mm. That's really, really cool. That is actually an attraction. Mm. It's 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 a super attract super I don't mean super attraction and super attraction stuff. I mean it's it's very attractive to actually just go, you know, I'm 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 comfortable enough in myself to actually look you in the eye and say, I, I don't know. What are some of the biggest mistakes you've seen? We'll, we'll do both sides, angels and people looking for money. So People pitching for money, some of the biggest mistakes you've made, yeah. you've seen, and maybe some of the things different to what we've already covered. I think um, the, yeah, the biggest mistake in pitching was we were in Singapore in this private bank. The private bank had 12 offices. Each office cost a million dollars to cut out. And so they had an Indonesian office and the managing director there went to Indonesia and bought the very finest furniture for each one. And then there was a Malaysian office, a Laotian office, a Cambodian office, each one of them. So each office had three angels in it and the people went pitching from room to room to room. So there was eight, eight people pitching. In this one room, one lady had flown in from Vietnam just to meet this guy. Somebody else was a director of a bank, director of the bank, and she was actually there. And then one of them was one of Hong Kong's richest women. So three women sitting in the office with a huge interest in this guy. The guy flew out from London just to meet these three women Mm. and lost it at two words. Walked into the room and went, hello, ladies. And that was it. Mm. One of them went onto a Blackberry and the other one just went, oh, really? 
and the other one um, who was um, from Hong Kong um, pretended that she was interested, but just right. went, oh, what did he just say? Yeah. He displayed a complete and utter lack of empathy. Mm. He uh, was belittling them yeah. by the words and by his very manner. Mm. But in two words, wow. I think that's I think it's really, well, no, but, but you, and, and you know what, when that happens, I don't mind. Because it wasn't meant to be. Mm. If, that's, if that's what he was like. Yeah then that's what he was like and they weren't the right ones for him. Sure. One of the one of the best ways that we in fact the third biggest way in which a deal um, a, a pitch goes wrong is that after the pitch event quite intentionally we have a free bar. So we're always sponsored by very large law firms, very large accountancy firms, very big private banks who put on a wonderful spread for everybody there. And um, the third biggest way in which people mess it up is by having one too many drinks. Right, yeah. So they lose it, they start swearing, they are yeah. um, um, being um, unreasonable. You know um, it's funny you say that, because um, I hope this isn't sacrilege to you, but I went down to London Business Angels, I've been there quite a few times over the years. We love them. And uh, which is great to hear. I love my mm. competitors. I'd rather collaborate than compete. Mm. It was great to hear you say that. And I saw someone pitch for something which is now quite big. So I don't know if you know of Deliveroo. Of course. And this chap, and he's actually from Stamford, really near where Mark and I live. So great rapport in that regard. And he basically pitched for this business. And maybe it's been launched where if you want to cook at home, you cook the food that you're passionate about. And he had an app and a system mm. which enabled you to sell your food. Yeah. So you, you, you love Thai, you cook Thai, and then someone orders it, and then you, you know, it gets picked yeah, up see, and sold. Seen a few of them. Yeah, okay. And I thought, what a great idea. And I, and I still think it's a great idea. If it, obviously, there's technicalities and blah, blah, blah. And uh, I was really interested, and I was interested in investing my money. And he got absolutely wasted Yep. That evening. And I uh, just thought, wow, that's where my money is going. And that's and, and I couldn't help it. And I was I was trying not to. Ju- I really wanted to like him because he lived down the road and he had a great business. And I really and I, you know, like and he lost me because he got hammered mm-hmm, mm-hmm. because you just think that's what you're going to do. And if that's what you're like, going back to our last conversation, if you like a pint and you want to get wasted, then that's cool. If you think that a few lines of cooking before <laughs> you um, go pitching is... You're telling the, me that's not a good way to get you... <laughs> but you know what? If the angel likes getting drunk as well, mm. then it could be a match in heaven. Yeah. As long as you're being you know, honest with yourself, I'm not suggesting that that is, because it's not, mm. because we've had that. Mm. Um, <laughs> and, and it just doesn't... It's, it, you lose empathy. Mm. You lose empathy when you're drunk. And, and you don't come across as you should be coming across. Mm. Have you seen a fairly new startup do something pretty good in a pitch? Or, you know, someone you thought, yeah, you know, because obviously that kind of level of heavyweight, that's great. But you know, anyone you just thought, wow, that was pretty amazing what they did and they were new and not that experienced? Yeah, I mean, and often... Or a common thing you see that you think is really good. I think the best thing to sort of generalise and, 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 and categorise people together, and it's sort of like, it scoops up everything we've been talking about. Is people just being absolutely earnest and going, you know, I've made this, uh, I've made this mistake in my business. Mm. It's not just that I, I don't know the answer to that question, but here, here I am absolutely exposing everything. I messed this up, you know, like dramatically. I should be sort of 14 months ahead of where I am, but I'm, I've only got to that level, but, and I wasted this money on this, and I wasted this money on this. And by the way, you know, I've previously gone bankrupt because of that. And there's a, a much greater understanding of that. It used to be that cliched thing about how Americans demanded yeah. um, failure sort of thing. But Europeans are now much more open to that. And they actually go, well, that's really cool. It's really cool because, because I, I just believe that you're not holding anything back from me at all. Yeah. So it's a warts and all examination. Mm. You know, and, and I, think, I think that's a... It's not. It's not something we train people to do. We we, we wouldn't be that that stupid. Yeah. But it's it's that's certainly a trend. Sure. A trend of just being like super honest, actually, just being um, yeah. totally there. Okay. This podcast is called the Disruptive Entrepreneur. To the four hundred or thousand people that subscribe and listen, what does the word disruptive mean to you? Yeah. For me. For me, it is um, someone who understands that there has to be processes, systems, and controls in the business, and it's a very necessary evil. But look at my words there, evil. <laughs> and 
I think, um, much like we've chatted about um, before, it's very much about keeping the entrepreneurial spirit in the company going. My definition of an entrepreneur is somebody that makes mistakes and learns from them, mm. but, but then sees the world in a very different way. If everybody else is looking at things in exactly the same way, A, it's very difficult to be disruptive, and it's very difficult to be entrepreneurial in that. Mm. So, you know, my, my old boss, Mr. Branson, famously dyslexic, um, mm. famously dyspraxic, but um, a dreadful thing. But he uses it to his, you know, exact, it's one of his great strengths, mm. that he sees things that other people just cannot see. Yeah. So it's that this, uh, is, is that is that disruptive? It's how to keep that disruption whilst the company is yeah. going, because you know people people just find it really irritating to be constantly disrupted. Is there anything I should have asked you that I haven't? One question I should have asked you. You've kindly donated your time and travelled here. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I I, I really like. Um, I, I'd like to have spent more time just talking about the different types of money that there are out there because. I spend a lot of time with entrepreneurs telling them that, you know, equity crowdfunding is groovy, but for some people, and for some people it's just daft. And I suppose, I suppose our learning in 10 years and, and the learning of the very large number of business plans that we see in a day, one of the most difficult things, in fact, the most difficult thing that people report is actually raising money for their startup. And I think, you know, I understand why they think that, but the really sad thing is that it's not the most difficult thing they'll ever do. The most difficult thing, it's the most difficult thing at that time. And sure, so it's, it's like a, it's this huge wall that you have to overcome. But, but part of it, I think, is keeping the disruption going, bungling through that wall so that you can actually see a whole bunch of other walls in front of you. Yeah. But in terms of what is going to be more difficult, is actually keeping the company going, yeah. is keeping the staff going, keeping the staff harmonized, keeping motivated, is moving your technology, is moving it overseas. Because, you know, Britain's fantastic, but you can only scale Britain so long before you have to move out mm. and, and actually how to do that. And so, you know, I, I, I think I'd like you to have asked me about that, but now I've told you about it anyway, so that's fine. <laughs> Two more things. Yep. I want to respect your time. In one sentence-ish, what advice would you give to yourself if you were going back and starting Angels Den again with the experience and knowledge you've got? Yeah, dive in. Dive in. So we wasted seven months um, doing that market research and that was just an absolute waste of time. We should just have dived, dived straight in, not um, messed around. We, we wrote a huge business plan. Nobody read it, ever. Mm. We, yeah. I, I didn't read it. So get perfect later. Get perfect. Oh, I wish I'd said that. Can, yeah. I, can I say that? Yeah, you can. Yeah, so get perfect later. Right, great. Oh, <laughs> if we've, got, if we've got, got good editing, that then... That good. Yeah, yeah. And then how can people follow you, find out more about what you do? I don't know if you have any social media profiles. Or yep, so you... I'm, I'm, I'm at Bill Morrow on Twitter. I'm, and that's M-O-R-R-O-W. That's right. Yeah. I'm also on Facebook and then LinkedIn um, for um, professional. We're... we're we're big abusers of social media. Yeah, great. Um, I think it's, uh, I think it's, I think it's the way forward. Mm. Yeah, I think Facebook do. could do well. Yeah, it could do. We should uh, invest in it. <laughs> hey, cheers, Rob. That's been that's been so much fun. Bill, thank you. Thank cheers, you very dude. Much. Cheers. Yeah.